everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Hello! How are you today, Mick? Oh, I can't complain. I mean, I can, but you made me sign that contract thing. Although I noticed there was still no pay rise. I mean, I'll have you know, I've doubled your pay. Possibly even tripled it. Really? Yes. Oh. I mean, you've you've just spent a good five minutes teaching me maths. And now I'm pretty sure that three times zero is in fact zero. That's true. However, what I will say based on that five minute segment is that your grasp of three is shaky, at best. Look, I, I got there eventually. As a, as a concept, three seems to elude you, unless you have help. Yeah, look, I, I've got it sorted. You explained it in nice terms. It's a Mass Effect 1, a Mass Effect 2, a Mass Effect 3, and a Mass Effect Andromeda. No, 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 no. No one counts Andromeda. The worst part is we have genuinely spent like 10 minutes on this bit, none of which was recorded. <laughs> oh no, it was recorded at my end. Oh yeah, yeah so I suppose technically I'm I had recording. audacity running. It's not going to be in the show though. <laughs> was that absolutely... well, that bit is. So the bit that references the bit that's not in the show is going to be in the show. Yep, because that's behold. (laughs) Oh, dear. And speaking of things that are behold, it's time for us to down a lovely pint of saliva beer as we behold the Eternals. Please do, do try to contain your enthusiasm, Mick. Yay. So yes, this is the 2021 film, directed by Chloe Zhao, written by her. Can I try that again? Yeah, go on then. Yay. I I see what you're doing. You're cheering for the runtime of Eternals. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's also written by Patrick Burley, uh, and Ryan and Kaz Furpo, and based on the Marvel comic created by Jack Kirby. So Mick, I mean, this... I'm not even sure if it's worth asking the question, are you familiar with the Eternals? Well, I am now. Having spent 27 years in cryosleep watching them. This is the in-flight movie for the first manned mission to Mars, isn't it? I mean, it could well be. <laughs> Obviously, they won't get to see the post-credit sequences because they'll be busy setting up the colony. But, you know. I mean, I guess it is likely at this point that the first manned mission to Mars will be sponsored by Disney. <laughs> ah, capitalism is bad, Mick, isn't it? It is. It is. Anyway, yeah, the Eternals. They're, they're a weird lot. 
Yes. But see, I imagine probably not that many people are familiar with them because they're very much a D-list Marvel book. Mm-hmm. And in fact, initially, kind of weren't a Marvel book. No. Jack Kirby, obviously he did create them whilst working for Marvel, but the idea was they were kind of all set within their own little universe without interacting with the like larger Marvel universe. Actually, which leads me on to a little fun a bit. A bit like in this film. Yeah, a bit like in this film. <laughs> Gee, there, there was a fun bit in Eternals where Jack Kirby was basically told, right, your sales are doing quite badly. You need to tie this in with like a big Marvel character to boost things. So he had an issue in which a bunch of scientists made a robot and decided to make the robot look like their favourite comic book character, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and I, just, I do like that as a, yeah, I've done what you've asked, Marvel. <laughs> like a grumpy genie. But yeah, the Eternals, I feel like their main problem is that they have then been retconned into the main Marvel Universe. And so you get yeah. problems where people go, wow, it's the Eternals, a race of godlike ancient beings who've been hidden amongst society all these years. You know, like the Asgardians and the Inhumans and Atlantis and the Mole Man. And like 70 other things that are exactly the same. Yeah. And then there's also, I think a point that's probably going to come up when we talk about the film as well, is there's this weird idea that the Eternals, like they've existed throughout history. And so all the myths and legends are actually just kind of misinterpretations of this one group of people running around saving the day. Yeah, and on its own, I think that's quite an interesting idea. And by misinterpretations, you mean different by one letter? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think you know that's quite an interesting idea, kind of playing off. You know, lots of mythologies have the same kind of archetypes. So what if it's just the same person? The problem is when they exist in the Marvel universe those mythical figures also exist. Yes. So I think my favourite example of this is the Eternals live in a city called Olympia, which was originally located coincidentally next to Olympus, the home of the Greek gods. Yeah. And so you get things like Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes in the story, sometimes Athena is Athena, but sometimes Athena is just Athena missing the A. Yeah. Does that mean if if enough time elapsed and and the, the corruption of the names carried on, at some point she'd just be called then? I just misread a, a synopsis of this film. And it's... <laughs> It starts off by introducing all, all, all the Eternals. It says, over the next 500 years, they mostly live apart from each other. So, not just me that's got a problem with the runtime, then. Also, I guess reading the synopsis does make Venus seem a lot more relevant. 
So yeah, shall, shall we get on to the synopsis? Have we got time? Don't you, I mean, this is Tuesday. Don't you have somewhere to be by Saturday? I mean, actually, for the runtime of the film, the synopsis is actually quite thin, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> I think you're going to find we're going to be going through a lot of character and actor names. We are. But the actual synopsis <laughs> is quite thin. Anyway, let's get into it. And as always, there will be full spoilers for the film. So, in the year 5000 BC, the godlike celestial known as Arashem sends a group of powerful and aging heroes known as the Eternals to Earth to protect humanity from the monstrous deviants. And these Eternals include Ajak, Salma Hayek, Icarus, Richard Madden, Circe, Gemma Chan, Athena, Angelina Jolie, Phaistos, Tyree Henry, Kingo, Kamel Nanjiani, Sprite, Leah McHugh, Druig, Barry Keown, Gilgamesh, Don Lee, and Macquarie, played by Lauren Ridloff. So the Eternals manage to kill the Deviants, but disagree over how involved they should be in humanity's development. They split apart and spend the next several thousand years living as humans. In the present day, Cersei is living in London with her boyfriend Dane Whitman, led by Kit Harrington, when she's attacked by a very much not dead deviant. Ah, no! Incorrect, she is not living with him. That's very much the first plot point. Look, okay, fine. They're not living <laughs> together and it's a whole thing, but we don't have time. <laughs> so, reuniting with Icarus and Sprite, they travel to South Dakota to warn Ajax of the Deviant's return, only to find her dead. Uh, Cersei inherits Ajax's role as leader of the Eternals and gains the ability to talk to Arishem. However, she learns from him that Earth houses a celestial seed and that their true purpose is to ensure humanity reaches a large enough population so that the baby celestial can use their life energy to be born, a process that will destroy either planet. Uh, yeah. So Cersei gathers the rest of the Eternals and the resolve to stop the celestial birth in order to save humanity, uh, who they have come to love. But in the process, Gilgamesh is killed by the Deviant Crow, who gains the ability to be voiced by Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> The Eternals go to an active volcano in the Indian Ocean where the Celestial Tiamat is due to be born. They try to build a machine that will merge the, their powers into a uni-mind, allowing Druig to put Tiamat back to sleep. However, they are betrayed by Icarus, who reveals that he is still loyal to Arashem, and he was the one who killed Ajax, as she has decided to try and stop the emergence. Icarus is joined by Sprite, who is in love with Icarus and wants to leave Earth as she's sick of being trapped in a child's body. And they fight the rest of the Eternals. Well, except for Kingo, who decides to just go home. Yeah. The other Eternals are able to overpower them, though, and Cersei uses the Unimind to turn Tiamat to stone. Meanwhile, 
Athena is lured by Pennywise into his sewer cave, where he tries to show her <laughs> the deadlights, but she kills him. And that, see, originally that was just going to be a joke because Crow is voiced by Bill Skarsgård, but it's literally like the same as it. Like he's a creepy monster who lives in a watery underground lair and like he even hoists Thena up and her eyes go all like blank like when Bev is staring at the deadlights. It's yeah. almost shot for shot the same as it chapter one. <laughs> so yeah. wrapping things up, Icarus feels a bit awkward so he flies off into the sun. Cersei uses the last of the Unimind power to turn Sprite into a human so that she can age and Druig and Macri leave Earth to find the other Eternals. Uh, Cersei, Phaestos and Kingo are taken by Arishem so that he may judge their memories to see if humanity is worth sparing. And fun parts, here are the bits that Mick hasn't seen. So, oh, spoilers for me! Yeah. I know! God, this, this is a brand new day in Behold Law. <laughs> for once the spoilers thing applies to Mick. I mean, to be fair, this is the first new thing in Behold Law ever. That's true. So anyway, <laughs> Druig and Macaria searching the cosmos when they are approached by Thanos' brother Eros, played by Harry Styles, and his friend Pip the Troll, played by Patton Oswalt. And then uh, Dane uncovers a mysterious sword and is about to touch it before he's stopped by the disembodied voice of Blade, Mahershala Ali. And I probably didn't make that up. Because <laughs> I'm aware that even by Marvel standards, out of context, those post credit scenes are quite weird. <laughs> I mean, does this mean that the rest of One Direction are also Eternals? I mean, probably. That's a shame. Probably not Liam, though. <laughs> is Liam the one no one likes? I don't know. Look, the problem is, I know... Zayn Malik is the one that sounds like he should be. Yeah, I was going to say, the ones I know are Harry, Zane, and Liam. Is there a Nile? Maybe. Yes, it runs through Egypt. Ah, uh, no, but see, what actually happened is in ancient times, um, the singer Nile, who was part of One Direction... Ran through Egypt. Yep. <laughs> and, and they mistook him for a river. <laughs> oh, dear. And yeah, that's Eternals. Yes. I I think I like this film. I don't want to like oversell it, but probably more than you did. Um. I don't think I endured. Uh, I enjoyed this film. I think I endured this film. I wasn't in a good place to be fair, because I watched this to try and cleanse my palate after the disappointing flux finale. 
Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, I had a double whammy. I think it's... Yeah, certainly if you've gone into this going, God, I'm, I'm sick of all this confusing... Like, just being shoved in the face with far too much lore. Let's watch <laughs> The Eternals. <laughs> I was thinking, this is a superhero team that nobody knows much about. That'll be a nice, easy one. I mean, was it just as soon as, like, millions of years ago, the Celestial Arishim sent his guardians to Earth? And there's just, like, a massive block of text. Well, actually, when I think about it, I think the plot of Eternals was very much like the plot of Flux, wasn't it? So a hero who thought they'd been doing one thing for their entire lives suddenly finds out that actually the reverse was true and all these bad guys have been sent to cure the universe of them. It's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, We've been sent to protect humanity just so that I can kill them differently. Um, maybe. The problem is, I am about... 70% sure of the plot of Eternals because I've done a synopsis for it and maybe 30% sure of what the plot of Doctor Who fucks was. I mean, to be fair, that's probably about 25% more sure than Chris Chibnall who wrote it. It's fine. They, they just had to unwibble the timey-wimey wobbles. Something happened and it wasn't right. A big man ate a cloud. Yeah. What? What was that about? I don't know. This, we're talking about an entirely different, confusing piece of geek media that came out recently. But but the thing is, it was all the two plots were all so confusing that I'm now confused as to which bits of ridiculous over CG stuff belonged in which nonsense plot. Also, to be fair, I think we should make a distinction. Doctor Who Flux had a confusing plot. Celestials has a confusing backstory. So that's Eternals, yeah. I mean. Because yeah. the actual plot of Eternals is just we need to go to we a place. We were sent to do a thing. We were sent to do a thing. We've been stabbed in the back by the person who sent us to do that thing. We've now found out there's a different thing. We're going to fight against the different thing and get stabbed in the back by someone else. And then we have to go find another Eternal and go to a new place. Copy-paste. Yes. Because that's... It's weird that in a way it like, almost reminds me of a game. Of this idea of, like, we've got to go to a location... Do a it's mission. All the quests. <laughs> <laughs> I was basically like Mass Effect, where it's like, do the mission, recruit new party member. Next mission, recruit the next party member. <laughs> and it's got the same runtime as a speedrun of Mass Effect the trilogy. Pretty much. I mean, is that why a bunch of them died? Because they didn't spend the time upgrading the Normandy. Probably, yeah. Or the Domo, as it's called. Oh my god, they even have their own spaceship. It's just Mass Effect. <laughs> this is why there's been no Mass Effect movie. I mean, yeah. It's a bunch of people recruiting a party 
because a big alien robot wants to destroy Earth. Yep. Which, I mean, in theory, means I should probably like it more than I do. Yeah, me too. But it's just, I mean, yeah, I think this is the main thing. Is there's just not really much of a plot. No, and I, th- I think the thing is, it, it struggles because, in a way that possibly things like um, Avengers and other ensemble superhero movies don't. In the Avengers, even even if you're not a huge fan of Captain America or Black Widow or, you know, the the sort of lesser-known ones. Everybody knows Hulk. Everybody knows Thor. Everybody knows um, Spider-Man. There are enough well-known people there for you to not have to learn the backstory and the, their superpowers yeah. and stuff and like I mean, that. I guess even if you did want to, they have their own films explaining what their deal is. E- e- exactly. Whereas... Here we've got what one, two, three. Well, I think it's about four, ten. Five, six, ten. Ten people who we've never heard of before. Yeah, I'm going to run down the list. Actually, double check that. Yeah, Ajax, Icarus, Cersei, Athena, Phaestos, King, Respite, Druid, Gilgamesh, Meth. Yeah, ten. well, nine and a half, I guess, since Ajax like isn't in it much. But but then it, it's it's that it feels like almost stunt casting then. Let's have a character who's not in it very much, played by one of Hollywood's biggest names. And yet, you know, let's have some lesser-known but well-popular TV actors play people who are in it the whole way through, even though they're arguably less important characters. And then middle ground, get a massive superstar who is in a lot of the film, but doesn't do anything. Yes. I, and I think, I, think that's, I think that's where my biggest disappointment lay, is that I've always been a big fan of Salma Hayek, and I've always been a big fan of Angelina Jolie, apart from maybe Tomb Raider, twice. And... <laughs> I just thought, what a waste. What a waste of those two people in this film. Not to distract from the other performances of other characters, but... Because I don't think anybody did anything particularly bad. I just also don't think there's anything in it that was done particularly well. (laughs) Well... Also, I think the film does at least one thing well, which is I think the cast, like, they do get on well as, like, a family. They do get that whole dysfunctional family thing a bit. Yeah, like, I would, I would say probably the best scene yeah. in this film is just the bit where, like, they meet up with Gilgamesh and Thena and they're just having a family dinner. Yeah. Yeah, and Sprite's playing jokes on Gilgamesh. Yeah, making him look like a big baby. Yeah. You see, there's one now. Uh, right. Kingo's the Bollywood star? Yeah, that's Kamel Nanjiani. Right. 
And Fastos. Oh, Fastos is the guy that. Um... Yeah, he's like the um the, the engineer dude. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot to do. I mean, he does, but in very small bursts on screen. Yeah, I mean, to bring a comparison, do you know who he is? He's basically cyborg. <laughs> like it's yeah. that same. We need essentially a USB stick, but in human form. <laughs> so this is um, well. I guess in this case, it's more. We need a three D printer. Yeah, I mean, uh, initially, I just assumed he was like one of them. Their dwarves, like Thor, found to start up his star engine again. Ah, uh, yeah, but you see. Those dwarves, they they're actually just misinterpretations of actual Phaestos, except for the dwarves that are actually dwarves, who do also exist, and are the same. What? Because mythology in it. Okay. Like how Athena is sometimes Athena, but not actually Athena, because Athena also exists. Yeah. Also, why did why why did oh, I can't, you see, I can't even bring myself to remember all the names? Arishem. Yeah. Why did Arishem base? the body for the eternal Circe on Minerva? Um, I think because he also watched the Channel 4 TV series Humans and realised that Gemma Chan is actually really good and it's quite frankly disgraceful that they waste on like a glorified cameo in Captain Marvel. <laughs> right. Fair I mean, well. I'm surprised he didn't like Make a Mads Mikkelsen Eternal as well. <laughs> uh... Which I think maybe that's it. Maybe Arshem is just like a big fan of TV and movies. Actually, do you know who my favourite character in this movie is? Is It's Karoon. Oh, see, I was going to try and find a funny joke answer that isn't Karoom, but Karoom is the best <laughs> character. Yeah. He reminds me of um, Matthew McConaughey's character in Tropic Thunder. It's yeah, that. he is just that kind of hopeless assistant. <laughs> yeah. I think it's uh, Hamish Patel, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, who is one of those guys. He's very much one of the, oh, that guy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just yeah, love his like endless supply of video cameras that he has with him. Yeah. <laughs> How many of those do you bring? But it's um it's quite funny. If you look at the descriptions, I mean I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the movie here, right? And you've got Gemma Channa's Cersei, she gets about four lines description of her character. Richard Madden, the Zicarus, gets three or four lines. Kingo gets three lines. And then 
Sprite gets a line. Um, fastest gets half a line. Makari gets a line. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's, it's that kind of typical kind of bad MCU. Well, not kind of, but definitely bad MCU thing of them yeah. going, look, we're going to be the best, most diverse film. We've got one character is openly gay, one character is deaf, and they're going to stand in the corner and not do anything. But they're there. Yeah. And, and and this is this is the this is the thing that gets me about this whole nod to diversity. Don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with it. But you could combine it. Why couldn't you have a gay black deaf person who actually does something in the film? Combine three of the characters into one. Bang. Done. Give them more plot far more satisfying character. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, you could probably combine quite a few of these characters. Yeah. It's like, I mean, even King, I like Kingo a lot. He's very funny. Mm. Does nothing. Like, no. to the point that I still can't quite believe there wasn't a scene where, like, he came back at the end at some kind of critical moment. Because it seems so like, oh, that's what they're telegraphing. Do you know, do you know what I'd have framed this film as? Right. I would have filmed this film with Kingo making it as a Bollywood interpretation of what happened being corrected by other Eternals as he went along. See, I like that. I mean, that even kind of works because part of his whole thing was he's inspired by Sprite telling the stories yeah. of the Eternals. That's yeah. like actually sort of a character arc for him. <laughs> Marvel, call me. I'm available. <laughs> Because, yeah, because I mean... We could even have a spin-off, Kingo Cinematic Universe. Oh, my God. Yeah, just remake every single film in the MCU <laughs> as a Kingo <laughs> Bollywood production. Iron, Iron Man testing his armour. <gasps> Can you imagine that bit in the first Captain America movie where he's doing, like, the promotional stage show, but it's now a <laughs> Bollywood dance number? <laughs> yeah. Could dance fight Bollywood Hitler? Yep. This is a good MCU we've made. It is, yeah. Better, I'm afraid, than Phase 4 has been on the, on the big screen so far. I mean, to be fair, we liked Black Widow. We did. Although, I mean, feel... calling Black it's Widow feel... Phase 4 feels somewhat ingenu disgenuous. Well, um, I mean, Black Widow feels more like sort of Phase 3.5, doesn't it? I mean, it's Phase 3, a bit we forgot to tell you about. Uh, it's kind of Phase 2 and a half, really, isn't it? Um, 
Because it starts before any of the MCU stuff. Actually, yeah, yeah, because it ends just after Civil War. Yeah. God, what a what a weird release. <laughs> but man, yeah, it's, it's tough because Eternals, it does do a lot wrong. I mean, even if it does one thing wrong, which is trying to have ten characters in a film. It 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 it's it's done what we repeatedly criticise Warner, uh, well DC for in their films, which is having too much plot for one film. Oh yeah, there's definitely needed to be like two films or something. Yeah, but it's just it's also. I appreciate at least that this is a move away more from the traditional Marvel formula. Uh, mm, like not not uh, you know a huge leap or anything, but kind of a tentative dipping its toe in the the water. And my worry is, with it, they're not quite working. Is that Marvel execs are going to do what execs always do and go, well, the problem can't be that this is a flawed film. It must be that the problem is we're moving away from formula. More strict. Every film has the same plot. Just exact same script. Change the character names. Why is Spider-Man in Wakanda now? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Quickly, no, Captain America, we'll just... get in the Ameramech. <laughs> Actually, what I've just described is the Marvel character Iron Patriot. It's like everything that we ever think of has already been done in comics. It's um, it's disturbing. Or, I mean, just a byproduct of things going on since the 1940s. <laughs> I mean, well, I say that, first of all, 30s, I guess, technically. And it was only, like, 10 years before they decided, right, route of ideas, Superman is a lion now. Mm-mm, yeah. <laughs> Oh, also, I, I will give Eternals the mildest of props for one thing, which yeah. is when we first cut to the present day, we zoom in on London, and we get a needle drop moment, which admittedly is quite on the nose as Pink Floyd's time plays. But my God, I was just relieved that it wasn't London calling. Because every film, every film where they go to London, as soon as like you get the London skyline, it's dun 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 dun. I can't actually do the drum solo to London Calling. No, because I am a human being and not a drum. That's that's very true. I mean, I I think possibly you're overrating yourself there. You're right, human beings probably a bit strong. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, you're working on it and you, you're doing well. But uh, but I'm still mostly screaming hairy armadillo. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's God. That's going to be a uh, heck of a callback for the listeners. Isn't it though? It's like obviously <laughs> we recorded that episode like a week ago, but it's going to be about a month for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for those who haven't listened, uh, for those who haven't watched um, Eternals, that this will feel like the post-credit sequence for that episode. It'll be about the same runtime as Eternals. That's true, yeah. Oh, my route. Do I need to, like, put out some kind of emergency warning? Tell them, like, right, listeners, start watching Eternals now so that by the time the Eternals episode comes out, you'll have got to the end of it. Yes. I don't quite like the bit where the Celestial was, like, coming out the ground. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, they've been doing this for, like, 13 years now. Technically, getting the effects and stuff, although there's some ropey effects of Angelina Jolie leaping around in the early battle. Yeah, I don't say that the Deviants don't look great. No, but is that perhaps supposed to be the case because they are supposed to be almost imperfections nah it's just not great cgi okay um but yeah that, uh, i just i just feel it it's it's a big time commitment for not very much reward ultimately yeah i mean the thing I enjoyed watching it in the cinema. And I think a big part of why I enjoyed watching it in the cinema was this was the weekend after my isolation finished. So I walked in. So you were just Yeah, exactly. Like the idea of going <laughs> a whole two and a half hours where I'm not in the house and not outside because <laughs> also Storm Harwin is like ripping through the country. Yes, please. <laughs> also, I had a hot chocolate. Oh. So yeah, all in all, good experience. But yeah, it's we we had very different experiences of. Yeah, I think that is a big thing is that we had very different viewing experiences. Yeah. But yeah, I also uh, I've I feel like it's my duty to do one bit of complaining. But I'm going to preface that by saying. I like the fact that Icarus was the villain of the film. Like, I think that's quite an interesting twist on he's the Eternal, who, like... Because in the comics, he is the goodest good guy. But he's the goodest good guy because he always follows the rules. But, and again, because I was watching from a different place, I was just screaming, Homelander Ripper! Well, this is, this is where we get to my problem. <laughs> Because obviously Icarus <laughs> in this, well, I mean, let's not beat about the bush. Chloe Zhao has been very deliberate in saying she based Icarus specifically on Zack Snyder's Superman. But it means it's evil Superman again. Yeah. It's, it's going back to the Invincible episode where it's just so many evil Supermen. 
it's yeah. Homelander and Omni-Man and Superman himself and the Plutonian and Bizarro Cyborg Superman and the Sentry and Hyperion. Is it a Vindicator as well? Eradicator, Eradicator. yeah, it was like another Eradicator. evil Superman. Some something else. Overman, Ultraman, Power Man, Red Sun Superman, Injustice Superman. <laughs> so many bad Supermans. It's almost like Lex Luthor had a point. Maybe Lex Luthor does have a point. <laughs> But no, it's it's why I'm quite tempted to watch Lois, um, watch Superman and Lois. Well, because I did, I did watch at least some of the first episode of that, and I do like that Superman's just kind of a nice guy in that. Right. Okay. Um. I mean, it's not. Quite... Oh my God! No, please, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you watch all of the first episode? I watched like the first 10 minutes where he saves the nuclear reactor and then like the last 20 minutes because I had my tea in between. Right. So did you see the guy that he fought in the nuclear reactor take the helmet off and talk to his ship's computer? Yes. Right. Guess where that backstory comes from? Does his backstory involve an evil Superman? Oh, God damn it! Is he from like a dimension where Superman was evil and did a bad? Mm. <laughs> but with a little twist. Is the little twist that there's some kind of like big crisis on Infinite Earths thing where every other version of Evil no, no, Superman no. gets wiped from my memory? No, Mr. Mr. Luther is upset because the evil Superman in his world killed his wife. That's great, Mick. That's That's great. But that's the little twist. I liked it when Superman stopped the nuclear meltdown and saved a bunch of people. And he does that a lot. That's good. This this might be a con. Well, I was going to. This is actually a surprisingly controversial take. I quite like it when my superheroes are good people who do nice things. I mean, no, like I don't like some superheroes who are kind of mean and gritty. But not all the I, I like it when, you know, superheroes have characterizations that suit that superhero. What? You mean like. Almost like they're different characters, the big... Mick. What? You mean like when, when, when the superhero described as the big Boy Scout acts like a Boy Scout? Yeah, like that! <laughs> I'm so tired. And the world's greatest detective actually detects. Yeah, but what if instead you just had a gun? 
<laughs> what if he just had a gun and the Boy Scout was an asshole? <laughs> you know, I tell you what, in that situation, I'd be not impressed. Remember, remember Superman's iconic line, not impressed. <laughs> that's that's what we spent millions of dollars for. Well, yeah. Anyway, the well, Eternals. I, yeah, I, I'm not impressed. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Probably wouldn't watch it again. Because, no. yeah. There, there was certainly a point, specifically after Gilgamesh died, where I was sat there thinking, this movie is too long. Yeah. Also, I can't believe they killed off Don Lee. But the good news is, it's Marvel, so there won't be a Zack Snyder cut. That's true. Just 50 sequels. <laughs> Which will all set up plot points for the next film that they'll then just completely ignore. Or cancel from the schedule. Or cancel from the schedule. I will say this, Eternals, better than the Inhumans. Well, that's true. However, However, that's not much of a metric. Yeah. So, it's time for us to rank this, isn't it? Because it is rank. I mean, I, I wouldn't be that harsh to it. <laughs> it's better exactly. than Howard the Duck. It's better than Howard the Duck, which is our number... It's longer than Howard the Duck. Yes, which is our number 27 on the list. Far below our number one of A History of Violence. Well, I'm not going to ask for a full rundown, but I'm cer I'm certainly tempted to put this in the bottom half. Yeah, I mean, I guess probably first point would be uh, just double checking I'm correct. Yeah, I, th I think the big problem for me is that for a superhero movie, it's not all that much fun. Well, first of all, uh, at number 13, we have Iron Man, which is currently our lowest ranked MCU. Uh, See, I didn't enjoy it as much as Iron Man. I'd be I'm, I'm more likely to watch Iron Man again than I am this. Mainly because I'm more likely to have time in my schedule to watch Iron Man again. You know? <laughs> I think... Well, actually, I think it's a moot point. Because below Iron Man is Blade. And I definitely like Blade a lot better than I like this. This hasn't got... This hasn't got a blood disco in it. Okay, first thing is... What do I definitely like better... Than the Eternals. So yeah, looking down the list, 
Number 17, we've got X-Men. Definitely prefer X-Men to Eternals. Yes. Uh, okay, now now we're probably getting more into the interesting territory. Number 18, Tank Girl. 19, Atomic Blonde. 20, Batman Returns. 21, Wonder Woman 84. And I think... All of those I would like to watch more than Eternals. And I don't know. I I guess the the like the point of the list where I start to get a bit iffy is probably Batman Returns. Because I, it's a good Christmas movie. It's a good Christmas movie. It's not necessarily a good movie. Because Batman Returns no. is kind of a mess. I, I, I don't think Eternals is that much of a mess, though. But my point still remains that which would you be more likely to watch? Right, again? but th- this is really just which of these is shorter? <laughs> and, you know, I think we are maybe hitting that age old conundrum where I think. Eternals is consistently like more consistent than Batman Returns but the stuff I like in Batman Returns I like more than I like the stuff in Eternals right because here's the thing Andrew what's a cool thing in Eternals um John Lee does a big punch at one point that's pretty cool and I struggle to name other things. Yes. I'd be tempted to say Eternals below Batman Returns above Wonder Woman 84. Mm. Haven't I still got a, a, a Joker to play, though? I mean, you do. If, if this is. Where you want to play your, like, get-out-of-jail-free card and completely hover over my decision, yeah, you certainly can do. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to put it below Wonder Woman 84. Because although that's a flawed film, it's still quite watchable. And I don't really think this is. No, not, it's not re-watchable. And not just because of the time constraints. I think it's a, it's it's a one one and you're done kind of film. Okay, I mean, certainly if if you do want to play the card, that was the devil's pact I made so that I could have Suicide Squad in the top five. And and the Suicide Squad, fair, I should say, you will. The stay. definite article is incredibly important. You and to be fair. You will be judged by greater powers than me for that decision. <gasps> you mean Arashem? If you like. I mean, he can be quite judgy. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure in the comics he is called Arashem the Judge. Right. There you go. Actually, yeah, he is, because his whole thing is that he's supposed to judge, like, if humanity has been a successful species. So yeah, 
There we go. Eternals is our new 22. Which, I mean, it's above the Snyder Cut, at least. Hey! By being marginally shorter. <laughs> I just... I mean, to be fair, Et Eternals is less far away from where I think it should be than the Suicide Squad is from where you think that should be. <laughs> um, talking of the Snyder Cut, when are we going to do Justice is Grey? Um, I think possibly just after Arishem has judged humanity a failed experiment and wiped it from the okay. celestial map. Alright, I'll schedule that in there. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's going to be a short episode, isn't it? It's just, it's exactly the same just, level just, of crap. It, it's, it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be you editing the original Snyder Cut show and then just putting, but with all the colour removed. Yeah. Actually, you say that, now I'm wondering how much further down the list do I need to put it? Like to punish just the sheer, like, pretentious, unbelievable assholery to think this movie well, needs to I've be black and white. How, I've, got, I've, I've got a feeling that a certain sentient waterfowl will be inviting us round for drinks. <laughs> God, that might be. Now, mark the calendar, Howard. <laughs> I feel like that's the one and only way you get off that bottom spot. <laughs> like it's a goddamn art house film. <laughs> like it's 50s noir odds against tomorrow. Zack Snyder looks at that and goes, yes, yes, I've got the same level of artistic accomplishment as that. <laughs> Is it just some kind of like law of behold that any episode given enough time just devolves into me ranting about the Snyder Cut? Yes, yes, it's it, it is very much that way. It's, <laughs> it's a bit like regardless of what colour fabrics you wear, belly button fluff is always blue. No, I've I've never thought about that, but now you say it. <laughs> Although I, I guess Zack Snyder's just a speed, don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, for them, it will always be grey. God, think about just how many more shadows there are for Batman to not hide in as he just stands on a ledge firing his gun. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to stop, but I can't. <laughs> well, I think you ought to, because otherwise this podcast is going to last as long as the film that we are reviewing. It is. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping it up now, folks. Which we actually finished reviewing yeah. about half an episode ago. <laughs> okay, fine. That's it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening. And now I'll just edit in kind of like an extra five minutes of random Norwegian singing.